Hello, and welcome to Marriage Unchained, the art of one flesh, where saving marriages, saving families, and saving souls is the flavor of the day. Now, let's join our host and author of Marriage Unchained, Catholic Alpha Radical, Jerry Jacobs, Jr. Hello, I'm Jerry. Welcome to episode three. Today's focus is on the top 14 reasons dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. So sit back, relax, take a chill pill, and get ready to rock, but don't duck. Can you feel it? Catholic Alpha Radical, coming at you now. Hello, and welcome to Catholic Alpha Radical, where my main mission is to keep you out of divorce court and where marriage unchained the art of one flesh divorce combat coaching is the flavor of the day while helping men understand marriage and courting not dating in the catholic faith why because dating is for sex and courting is for marriage bam now let's do this so we're going to start out today with a quote like we always do and the quote states quote to be an infallible lover the first thing you must recognize that sex is and must always be holy it must make you holy it must make your beloved holy. It must lead you to him who is holy." End quote. Gregory J. Popchak, PhD, Catholic marriage therapist and author of Holy Sex, a Catholic guide to toe-curling, mind-blowing, infallible love. So why I do this? As I've said before, I want to start out these first few episodes with um, telling my story and letting you know why I do this. And basically it's going to be in four parts and this is the third part. And uh, I just basically wanted to say I'm sick and tired. I was sick and tired of being sick and tired. I was sick and tired of, um, the state of our family. I was sick and tired of the state of the country. I was sick and tired of other men, not manning up. And um, I could see how that was corrupting women and children. And so I decided that instead of sitting back and do what most people do is complain, I decided to um, consult God and to ask him what he would have me do. And this is kind of what we came up with. So, um, Basically, I just had to do something. And in part one um, of my story, it was about my first child. Um, part two was focused on my first marriage. And now we're up to part three, which is my second marriage. And I, like I said before in the other two, I tell you this so that you can see where I've been and the pain that led me to this point um, in my life where I felt that I could no longer stand by and watch things in the Catholic faith and our society just go by with me with my head in the sand. 
And so I would like to, uh, I do this to encourage you to stand up and um, be the man that God's calling you to be, no matter what that might be. So with the death of my first wife, it made me realize I couldn't raise my boys without a mother. And as usual, my first, my second marriage started out good. They all do. You know, everybody loves everybody. Uh, <laughs> but then we made a mistake of uh, we started foster care because one of our uh, one of our relatives needed care. And basically foster care, I would advise no one to do foster care. And people are going to dog me out and say that I shouldn't say that. But I mainly say that if you have a home with multiple children already like we did which is like five four or five kids already and then you start bringing in other kids it causes a lot of problems and i would say you if if you are maybe have no children or something um or you know you're single or something and you have time yeah foster care is is not bad for one thing the government gets all in your business which you know you're gonna hate um, and so you, 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 you have to realize as a man and as a, as a woman and a mother and a father that your family has to come first, not because that's the way you want to do it, but that's the way God is asking you to do. Um, and so if bringing in other children starts to affect your home, you must eradicate that immediately because, uh, what good have you done if you brought in all these kids and then your marriage starts to go or your family starts to go in the toilet. And so um, we were newlyweds and I had one that we had a few problems already because I was trying to bring my wife and our daughter into, um, and her daughter, which is my daughter, into one family which was my boys. And that was hard enough as it is because you know how kids are, they think you don't love them. If you talk to one, don't talk to other. If you do something for the other, don't do something for the other. Then everybody gets upset. So it was hard bringing things together. And I'm not saying it was perfect, but when we brought in the foster children, it made it worse. It was a strain on our marriage. Um, not really the foster care, but just things in general um, that I didn't understand. Being, you know, I was older than when my first marriage. When my second marriage, I was what 35 36 something like that and you know we think that we know all this stuff in our 30s we don't know nothing still you know i don't even know why they let people 35 be president that's crazy i mean sure you know you know something but i don't think well maybe back in the day of kennedy where people were more mature but in this day can you imagine a 35 year old today being the president <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> anyway what started to happen in our marriage is uh, I lost I lost my job. We got evicted, got a car repossessed. We had severe money problems and severe problems with our with my parents, grandparents, and siblings. But one thing I can say is that my beloved wife, she never complained. She never got upset. She's just one of them women that when she's with you, she's with you. And... Her thing is she wants to try to make things work and be the wife and the woman that God created her to be. And even at that time when we weren't in the church and we weren't doing anything, we were Catholic. We were, she was Catholic. We were Catholic. We weren't doing anything. We didn't go to mass. We didn't do anything like probably 90% of the Catholics in this country. Um, and um, so, but she didn't complain, but 
I always, with the person I am, I always look at myself um, before I look at anybody else. I've just always been like that. And so I realized that I was failing miserably as a man and a husband. I mean, how could I allow all this chaos in our home? I was not making decisions properly. Um, I just wasn't doing a lot of things properly. And it just made me start to realize, especially with the death of my first wife, I looked at things a lot different. And, and that's what men we have to do. We always have to reflect on our mortality, you know, because one day you will die and to go through your, through your life and never consider that you're doing your family and God and your children and yourself a dis, uh, injustice. You must consider your mortality so that you understand you ain't, you got to get things together. You don't have time to be playing around. Um, looking back, I had no real idea of what it took to be a man. I really didn't because what it takes to be a man is Christ, to understand how tough he was, how he sacrificed himself for others, um, how he uh, manned up, and everything he did is what men are supposed to do to be an example. Um, and him along with St. Joseph, those are our two models of men. And so basically, I, I didn't know even about Christ and what he did and didn't do. I didn't really know about St. Joseph. And have, that he's the leader of the holy family and the model for men too. I mean, you just don't know that when you're in, when you're in the world and you're you're not really paying attention to what's going on. And so that's how most of us as men we don't really know how to be or do anything when it comes to masculinity. And we think a certain way, God thinks another way. So my job in the Holy Spirit's job is to help you understand um, how to bring these things together. Um, at the time, I had no idea that these three major events in my life was God trying to tell me uh, to straighten up and get together. <laughs> That's plain and simple. Throughout your life, you can ignore God all you want. And throughout your life, you're going to get taps on the shoulder. I call them taps. And it's either you're going to ignore it or you're going to embrace it. And most of us have problems um, um, embracing it because we want to do our own thing. But the problem is we do our own thing. Our life, our life always goes south. We never get it together. We're always floundering. I throw a lot of men now. They're just floundering through life, floundering. They're not married. If they, most of them, they got kids and stuff, but the kids are all crazy. You know, the kids, everybody thinks their kids are going to grow up when they see them as a baby. They think the kids are going to grow up and be this magnificent person. Well, your kid's not going to be magnificent unless you, get involved in their life and, and, and be the father that you're supposed to be. And so adversity and trials is how God brings you to holiness. And remember that it's very important that we understand in my life, people used to always, they tease. I remember I used to always teach church courses. Oh, you're just trying to be holy. If you go to church, you're just trying to, uh, if you bring up um, any kind of thing about God and Christ, people try to shut you down. And try to say, oh, you're just trying to be a holy role and all that kind of stuff. Well, the real deal is they're the fools, they're ignorant, and not you. And that's the thing about the Catholic faith. Our mission as a man is to try to become holy, become perfect, and become a saint. And not because that's what we want to do. That's because that's what Christ, Christ calls us to do. And when ignorant people don't understand the faith or even understand God or have God nowhere in their life, they have no idea what the concept of theology is. And it's a shame. It's a real shame. 
um, because I was with them. You know, people, when I was in the military, people would try to tell me all the time, Jerry, come on, go to church with me and stuff. I wouldn't go. Man, I, I got I got girls to meet. I got things to do. I got parties to go to, dog. I can't be going to no church on Sunday. That's my sleep day. You know, and even when we first got married, what I do? I say, well, I'm not going to church on Sunday when during football season. Now, how ignorant is that? I'm putting football above God. Come on now. <laughs> so that's my part three of my story. Um, what we're going to do in, uh, in the in podcast number four is we're going to go over the last part of my story, which will be the conversion to the Catholic faith. And that is crazy. <laughs> so, okay. So we're moving on. Please remember to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes and subscribe to this podcast if listening on catholicalpha.com to get new episodes in your email. Share the podcast, man. And I know I know a lot of people, you know, they like to keep things to themselves sometimes. But, man, we're trying to work together here. And you share the podcast because men don't really understand about men and even share it with a woman because she needs to understand how a wife needs to understand how her husband thinks a, a woman needs to understand how her boyfriend thinks and once they understand that they can deal with them better and that's my job to try and get people to understand each other and put god in the mix so that they can get along better and become soulmates in one flesh and that's in the end what we all trying to do get together, love love our husband, our, our spouse, or if we're single, to marry, our, to marry, to become spouses, and then lead that marriage towards God with children, holiness, the mass, the sacraments, and everything that Christ is trying to offer you to get you where? To heaven. are going to get into the Catholic Alpha Radical of the Day, the Radical Rant of the Day. So the name of the Catholic Alpha Radical Rant of the Day is the Cowardice of Men, the Top 21 Reasons Men Have Caused the 2018 Scandal in the Catholic Church and Why We're Not Going to Take It Anymore. It's deep, ain't it? <laughs> So we've already done uh, two, and um, this is the third one. So, but before I start, this will be a 21 episode series. So I'll do one of these per show because I don't want to, to uh, overwhelm you with all 21 because each one has its own special flavor that it needs, it needs attention. So I also understand that the infiltration by the Catholic Church with homosexuality and radical feminism was planned in order to destroy the morality of those within the church, priests and laity, 
and is not the teaching of the Catholic Church. Why was this done? Radical feminism and homosexuality, in short, were put onto the Catholic faith because they want to destroy the morality of the United States and the world. So they started, you know, the communists tried to do that. Um, and if you don't understand that or you think that's a bunch of bull, you need to go and look it up and get and study. So they did this to destroy the American family, to destroy our morality, and to destroy our patriotism. Because the communists tried to infiltrate us in the 20s and 30s. I, I think it's the 20s and 30s. And we, in our country, the United States, we was whole. We stayed fast. We was men. We was warriors. And we told them, no, nah, we're not doing that. And so the, they came up with the idea that uh, they come up with the idea that the reason that they couldn't get through to us is because of our faith in our family, our morality, which was which, which was God and the Catholic Church, and how strong that was. Um, and um, also, we of course Americans, we are very strong in patriotism. And if you look today, you'll see that our patriotism is way down. It's not nearly what it used to be. Um, because it's been watered down. You know, I know a lot of blacks and, you know, and I understand, you know, in our, in our, you know, culture a little bit, patriotism is not a really a big thing. I mean, we say, yeah, yeah, rah, rah, and all that stuff, but it's really not a big thing because, well, we felt, blacks have always felt that we've been down, we've been, you know, we were slaves and had that mentality and stuff. And, but I've always been one, you know, my father gets on me a lot, you know, and, and I understand he was born in the 1940s and he went through the 50s and 60s and 70s and stuff. But when I grew up, I went to the military and I understood how the patriotism thing works, how, how things work a little different than my father. And he gets mad at me when I start talking about, you know, that we that we can't be worried about what race and all this kind of crazy mess. Because race, all it does is keep you down. It keeps your mentality down. It keeps you ignorant. It keeps you, and all these people that keep perpetrating race and, you know, and all Black Lives Matter and, you know, the Jesse Jacksons and the those kind of people and stuff. I'm sure they're good people at heart and they want to do the right thing, but they're being manipulated. And anytime you put your race above everything else, it's, it's kind of a conflict of interest. Man, I'm going to tell you, I know plenty of white folks, and I'm telling you, it's every white person you come across is not like that. And you have to give people for, you know, give people what they are, just like with homosexuals and stuff. Even though a person, a man's a homosexual, you still treat him as a human person first. Why? Because that's what Christ, that's what God demands. A lot of times we have to go get away from what we feel and go by with logic. And a lot of times we have to remember that when Christ, you know, and I, that's one of the reasons why I love the Catholic faith in that in the Catholic faith, we bring in everybody into Christ's church. And the reason why is because we don't worry about all that stuff, about races and all that stuff. Because if you put your race and your culture and your nationality and what country you from, if you put that above God, that is the prime time for the evil one to infiltrate your country, your environment, and your family. Why? Because when you don't put God first, you'll fall for anything. 
you know, you think the sky's green and somebody tell you it's green when the sky's actually blue. Now, everybody today, don't, nobody thinks they're manipulated, but they really are. You know, you're out, a lot of things that we do today, we don't really stop and think. We don't get our children and our young folks. And I mean, when I say young folks, I mean 35 and below, really. I really believe that because they're still kids in a way, most of them, especially the maturity rate. But they're they're taught everything because in the universities and these high schools and these public schools, heck, even a lot of Catholic schools, most of them, most of the Catholic schools and the Christian schools, they base, I don't know why they call themselves that, because they're just doing what society's doing. They're succumbing to the pressure. Okay? So if you want more on uh, what I've just talked about, about the uh, the infiltration of the Catholic Church on uh, femi feminism and all that kind of stuff, just, you know, listen to uh, episode two if you haven't already. Also, we must understand that there are many Judases among us. You don't leave Christ for Judas. Why? Because Judas leads you to hell. There is a hell. There is heaven and there is purgatory. And where you go depends on you and the justice and mercy of God. Now, look, I, I, I'm going to tell you, a lot of people are going to be on me because I'm talking about hell and you, go, you can go there if you don't get your stuff together. But man, listen, in the Catholic faith right now, everybody, especially these priests and stuff, um, everybody, in, which is fell down to the laity. Everybody's talking about mercy and mercy and mercy and mercy. You know what? I get sick of mercy. You know why? Because when you talk about God's mercy and you leave out justice, you are doing, you are misquoting God and it's kind of really heretical because you're saying mercy, mercy, mercy. That means you can do anything you want and God will reward you by giving you eternal life. And that's one of the reasons why you can't get real men into the Catholic faith, into Christianity. Why? Because men, we don't mess with that little mushy stuff about mercy, mercy, mercy all the time. Because we figure if mercy, huh, well, I can get mercy everywhere. I go to the Christian church over here and get mercy. I can go to my job and get mercy. I can, I can go anywhere and get, I can go to Catholic, this Catholic parish over here and get mercy. See, when you talk about mercy all the time, I don't care who you are. If you're the Pope, I don't even care. We talk about mercy all the time. You do everyone that did was obedient to Christ throughout the world uh, for 2,000 years. You do them people injustice. All the saints, all the angels that obey God, uh, all the, um, you know, uh, all the other popes, you know, all the other laity over, over 2,000 years. You would do them an injustice because you stand what they did was crap and what you're doing is right. People kill me when they try to say saints don't know what they're talking about and stuff like that when they're saints. And we have to understand if God, if you just, man, if you just read and look things up and really understand St. Thomas Aquinas and the saints, what they're talking about, there's no way that God can let yourself <laughs> go to heaven when you lived yourself, your, your own way, your whole life. And you never, you were not obedient to God in his way. Because if you're not obedient, that means you only consider yourself all the time. You're only selfish and, and you, to yourself. You might not think that, but you are. If you, you have to be beholden to something greater than yourself. And that's God. That's why, govern, that's why governments have to be beholden to God. Because if not, their countries become crap. Look at the United States.
everybody thinks with United States, I don't care if you're Democrat, I don't care if you're uh, conservative, I don't care if you are uh, a liberal, uh, I don't care if you are what, whatever you are, you know, a Mexican or Chinese or black or white or whatever you are. If you, you know, you, you have to be beholden to something greater than you. And if you're not, you're just a selfish person. Even if you're an atheist, you have to have something holding you. Why? Because then you have you have nothing. You're just yourself. You're just contained within yourself. And what kind of in the end, what kind of person are you? Really? If you just do everything that you want to do, you want to kill people. You want to go have sex with all the girls. Uh, you want to make all the money and steal and rob and manipulate people and con people. And not just that, even the simple things. You don't want to raise your family right. You don't want to be a good husband. You want to go mess around on your wife. Man, all these things, man, sure, all those things feel good. But they are not what love is, and they're not what God is having us do. That's all we need to have. He, God cannot allow you to go to heaven when you are still selfish. All these things I just said, when you're obedient to God, you become holy. You strip away yourself. You doubt of yourself. Original sin makes us like this. So God created a realm, earth, a universe that works on you have to die to yourself. You have to get rid of rid all the sin and crazy mess inside of you and give that away and be obedient so that you are not yourself. You become a holy, perfect, and saintful person. Okay, um, and so what I was talking about the Judas, if you're in the church, you know, you can't be leaving the church when bad things go wrong because everywhere you go, if you think that a church is gonna be perfect and holy, because it's filled with men, men with original sin, men who have done all kind of things, but that's why we have the sacraments of confession, holy orders, and all these kind of, these other uh, five more. We have to understand that you can't, if you cannot change the church outside the church, okay? If you want to change the church, you have to change within the church and get people to do things the way God would have them do, not the way you want to do it, okay? All right, next. Um, we must fight within the church, like I just said, and you can't change the church outside the church, like I just said. So let's get started with number three of the top 21 reasons that men are responsible for the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church. Let's review the first two. Number one was refusal to accept our role as men, self-explanatory. Our refusal to accept our role as men, which is the way Christ and God want us to do it. Okay, um, listen to episode one to get more in depth than that. Number two was allow the men in the Catholic Church, popes, cardinals, bishops, priests, deacons, to water down and dilute the teachings of the Catholic faith. If we don't teach about hell or abortion or that there's a death, uh, the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, how can we be fruitful? How can the faith be fruitful? You know, sure, there are plenty of great stories in the Bible, but people People that are not of the world or of the world, they don't care about that stuff. If people, if when, when somebody comes to evangelize them, they can't explain to them the good and the bad 
and the obedience and the love and the justice of God. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is entailed in all of that when you evangelize. That's what nobody listens to you today. Because you come to them talking about mercy all the time, but you don't, because a person thinks, if you just talk about mercy all the time, then I can do whatever I want to do and get away with it. You have to teach people about consequences. And that's what God's justice is about. It's not fair to send you to heaven when you didn't done things your way the whole life. And then some other dude that then, that then was obedient, fasted, went to adoration, went to church every Sunday. He loved his wife, raised his children the best he could. He did everything God did, you know, uh, 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 adhere to the natural order, which is God, wife, uh, God, husband, wife, children. You know, he did the natural law, which is the Ten Commandments. He prayed, he sacrificed, he suffered. He gets to go to hell. He, he gets to go to heaven, and then he gets there in your bus there. He goes, well, then people go, well, on this earth, they go, well, if, if I can, if he can got to do all this, he can do all this, get away with it. I can too. I can go anywhere and get that. I know I said that, but man, it's important that we understand the theology of Christ and what he was really talking about. Okay, man, I'm sorry. I keep going off on these rants and I'm sorry. It's called the radical rant, but man, I'm radical ranting for real today. Drinking some water. So next. Okay, so that's number two. So now with number three of the top 21 reasons men are responsible for the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church, Christ Church. Before each number one, before each number, I will read a quote directly from the document containing Cardinal Carlo Maria Degano. This is the scandal in the church right now with Cardinal McCarrick and his abuse of boys and young men and how it's wide, how that's widespread in the church, which is why in the last two episodes, I've went through and explained to you why and that this is on purpose. Um, and understand too, man, this stuff is not just in the Catholic faith. It's in every Christian faith out there. It's in all these public schools, private schools, everything. Kids are innocent. They love you. They want acceptance. Kids would almost do anything. That's why you have to be their father so that you can teach your kids what is right, what is wrong, and instill in them what God asks of them. And if we don't do that as men, our kids are none but sheep for the wolves. So before we get started, like I said, I want to read the quote. I read a quote from the document, the 11-page document testimony, uh, Cardinal Vigano. Um, so here we go. And the reason I, I read this is so that we can pull our head out the sand and out the sand and understand that this is real. This is not some joke that we can just think it's going to go away. Because like I said in a couple other, I know men right now, they're ready to do battle, man. They're not, they're not taking this crap anymore from priests, bishops, popes, laity, from atheists, from other Christians that don't want to act right. They're just not playing that no more. It's time to get in the battle, man. And the battle is spiritual. And if it, I don't want it to be physical, but if it comes to physical, that's what we're going to have to do to protect God and fight for Christ and our families and our church. Because we've given this church, we've given the church over to, to, the, uh, to the other side, to the evil one. We've given him over to the church for 60, 70, 80, 100 years now. Okay, you had your time. Look at the church. You, we did what you said. We threw away statues statues we did all kind of stuff 
And this is what happens. We pulled all the we pulled down all the Mary and Joseph statues. We took the altars out the darn um out the uh out the church. Uh and don't even have you know, pull that away. Put Christ, he the Eucharist, put the Eucharist in the back in some little room somewhere. Come on, man. We are taking our church back. And don't think that the men, there ain't men that's that's looking at everything you do now. And now they have power. So here's the quote. This is Cardinal uh, Vigano talking. In writing up a memo on these documents that were entrusted to me as delegate for, for pontifical representations on December 6th, 2006, I wrote to my superiors, Cardinal Tarsio Bertone and the substitute Leonardo Sandri, that the facts attributed to McCarrick by Littleton were of such gravity and vileness as to provoke bewilderment, a sense of disgust, deep sorrow and bitterness in the reader, and that they constituted the crimes of seducing, requesting depraved acts of seminarians and priests, repeatedly and simultaneously with several people, derision of a young seminarian who tried to resist the archbishop's seductions in the presence of two other priests, absolution of the accomplices in this in these depraved acts, sacrilegious celebration of the Eucharist with the same priest after committing such acts. So the deal is, man, I, I'm, I'm gonna tell you a little story from, um, it's a real quick story from um, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen, who they refused to give his um, remains over so that they can make this man a saint. And he's brought my faith a long way. But here's the story. A priest came to him, uh, you know, a priest came to him and said, you know, Bishop, uh, I'm gonna leave the faith and uh, I wanna quit the priesthood, right? So, you know, this had to be in the 50s or something. Cardinal, I mean, uh, Archbishop Fulton J. Sheen said, oh, really? He said, you do? He said, yeah, I, I just, you know, it's just something I got to get away from. And so the first question the archbishop asked him was, when did you stop praying? And the priest told him a year ago. And so the priest told him, well, you know, I, I, I'll stick around and finish out my time, you know, until you find somebody. And archbishop said, no, nah, no, nah, man, you just, you go ahead and you leave now. I'll take over your duties. And this is what I, this is the point of that quote I want to tell you, man. With popes, bishops, priests, deacons, religious, nuns, everybody, when they're not praying, the world goes to, you know, it goes to crap. They don't understand, they, they, they allow the infiltration of the evil one, the devil, Satan, whatever you want to call him, Lucifer, to infiltrate them. And when they get infiltrated, they're in power. And so what happens is, I mean, Christ is in power, but Christ, you know, he's not going to force them. If they don't want to pray, don't pray. You're not going to get the graces and stuff. And we have to understand that if a man is not praying for his family, if a priest is not praying for his flock, if a pope is not praying for his flock, if a cardinal and a bishop are not praying, they will be infiltrated. God becomes very far away. They don't even remember what it felt like to be with God. It's, that's why it's important as a man, you have to go to adoration on a daily basis. And adoration is 
the sacred Eucharist, the Holy Eucharist in a chapel with a little candle burning and Christ is in there and you go in there, you spend time with him. Just like you spend time with anybody else. So that's my thing. I feel, I feel real sad. I feel real bad um, about these men and what they, what they've done, what they're doing, not only because of the, uh, the horrible things they've done, but because they have, they have no mission. They have no God. God's nowhere in their life anymore. And then they do like, like, uh, Cardinal Vagano said, McCarrick and these other priests would, they would do these crazy acts and then they go serve mass the next day. You know, like nothing happened. Um, so that's the quote. So number three, these are in no certain order. Number three of the top 21 reasons that men have caused the, the 2018 scandal in the Catholic Church is we didn't fight for Christ during Vatican II. It said that Vatican II was, was uh, a catalyst of change in the church. After Vatican II, there was so-called or the so there was a there was a so-called spirit of Vatican II that called for complete change in the church. It was unsaid in church circles, or it wasn't really written down, but this new philosophy and uh, disregard for the teachings of Christ would spread to the ends of the laity. And Vatican II, you know, there is said that, you know, Vatican II people really, you know, they really didn't make a lot of changes doctrinally and dogmatically, but that they came in and changed certain things that when you give people, when you tell people, when you take away structure from people and you tell them you can do what you want to do, guess what people are going to do? Exactly that. They go do what they want to do. So what? that's what happens. And so Vatican II changed a lot of things. And we should be real ashamed of that. The men at that time, the laity, the priests, the religious, they didn't fight for God, man. They didn't fight for God, dude. This and this is why we think that this 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 kind of things of with priests and stuff that it just happened and that this in these public schools and in these other Christian churches that all this stuff just happens is bad luck that kids are getting abused and and the morality in the country and in the church is going down. It's going down because we keep allowing men, keep allowing people to change stuff that shouldn't be changed, going away from Christ's word. And if we continue to do that and sit back, be fat and happy, then that's what's happened. So they changed the mass, which in the Catholic faith is what is, is the body of Christ. So when we come together, it's called a mass. That's another thing Protestants really don't have right to understand because they left the church. And look, look, I, when I talk about Protestants, I know I talk about them a lot, but it's because I love them, man. And because Christ loved them. And when I say I love them, I don't mean this mushy, mushy stuff. I mean love. Love is the act of the will. That's the definition of, of love in the Catholic, Catholic faith and Christ's definition. Love is an act of the will. It's not a mushy feeling. It's not any of that stuff. You know why? Because feelings leave. Feelings are fleeting. They leave you, and so today you feel like you want to kill your wife. The next day you feel like you want to love your wife. One day you feel like you want to quit your job. The next day you love your job. 
You can't go on feelings because feelings are fleeting and they're not logical. You have to use your will to do what needs to be done. And that's the problem. So with Protestants, I'm not talking about Protestants that don't know that the Catholic faith is the true faith of Christ, that he's the, it's the church that he wants us in. And I'm not going to go into all that wide stuff, but I'm just going to tell you that you have to, when you don't know something, you got to go find out. And I'm talking about the Protestants that know the deal. They know the deal. They know that the Catholic Church is the stuff. Like a lot of these Catholic, um, a lot of these Protestant preachers in the Baptist Church and, the, and in the Methodist Church and in all them, the other different churches, they go and learn the depths of the Catholic faith. They read the saints like St. Saint Thomas Aquinas and uh, Alphonse, St. Alphonse de Gori and little, little Teresa, mother, and a little, little, Teresa Little Flower and Mother Teresa. They go and learn this stuff. They read the catechism of the Catholic Church. And then you know what they go do? They go and teach that stuff in their, in their flock, in, in their, at their churches. But that ain't what Christ wants you to do, Protestant minister. He wants you to come fight within the Catholic faith because this is the church he started. If you don't understand or believe what I'm saying, look it up. Okay? And it ain't, you don't have to go far. All right. All you have to do is go search anything called for the doctors of the Catholic Church or when the Catholic Church started and and, and, and get into it. Uh, one time I'm going to do a, a podcast on that. Um, so. So they changed the mass and. That. Um, they put they changed the match which led to all sorts of sacrileges. And like I said earlier, they started pulling, um, pulling out all the sacred statues out of the churches and throwing them in the dumpster. Can you imagine? There's a a a, a church, a, 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 a statue of Jesus Christ, and they pull it out of the sanctuary and throw it in the dumpster. There's a statue of um, the Blessed Mother or Saint Joseph, you know, and they take those statues and pull them out and throw them in the trash. They take the altar and the in the uh, and the altar, the sacred altar, which is the beauty of the church inside the sanctuary and cut them up and throw them in the dumpster. Crazy. Because this, that's, man, that's the evil one, dude. That's Satan, dude. He has infiltrated the Catholic church. He has infiltrated Catholic, the Catholic church. The Catholic church has been infiltrated and it's time for us, and I know this ain't no word, but it's time for us to uninfiltrate it. Okay? Um, they pulled down the communion rails, which was a reverent, a reverent means for kneeling before receiving the Holy Eucharist on the tongue. They pulled out all the, the, uh, the communion rails, which allowed us, all the people to kneel before God, before we took in, um, the Holy Eucharist, man, before we took in Jesus Christ. How could you do that? How could you as a man sit by and let people pull stuff out of your stuff? Out of your church, just sit there with a, in the pew with your arms crossed. Hmm. Don't get me started, man. They started saying all masses in English and in the language of the culture instead of the sacred language of the church, which is Latin. And I would be straight up. I don't agree, and it's not me, but this is Christ. This is His church that started this. You know, I don't agree of saying mass in English and then saying mass, going to a Spanish mass and they saying uh, 
uh, mass in Spanish. You go to a French mass, they saying mass in French. You go to uh, a Chinese or Korean mass, they saying mass in their language. Look, man, anytime that is divisive, that is divide. People say what I'm saying right now is divisive. What that is divisive. You know why? Because we are supposed to be one holy body, sacred body of Christ. And when you let your culture and your language overrule the language, the sacred and holy language of the church, which is the Latin. If you don't believe what I'm saying, man, look it up. And not even that, look at these movies y'all like looking at, you know, these exorcist movies and stuff. They always talk Latin. You know why it's Latin? Because the demons, it's the, it's the sacred language of the church and the demons, it makes it harder for the demons to fight back when the exorcists are exercising them. And that's what's crazy. The devil has infiltrated the church and I'm gonna keep saying it and I don't care if you get mad, turn my podcast off, but it's the truth, man. We got to stop with that stuff, okay? They pulled the sacred language, and then when you allow uh, Mexicans and uh, Japanese and other, uh, 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 um, and I'm not talking about just in our country, I'm talking about all over the world. When you let people start changing the mask the way they want to, then man, and by putting their culture into it, by putting their their language and their own biases into the mass, you start destroying the sacredness of it, the holiness of it. And then you cause separation because I don't speak Spanish. So then when I go to a Spanish mass, I got to sit there and try to understand that. So we might as well be doing Latin. We might as well be doing Latin then. So that everybody knows the Latin prayers. Everybody, eventually, I go to Latin Mass every Sunday, man. I'm telling you, at first, it was hard. But after two or three weeks, it was easy. People say, I don't understand Latin. I don't understand. That's just your excuse of not trying to be a real man, about man up and being what, the, what Christ has asked you to do. And I will tell you this, too. The church allows the Norvis Ordo Mass, and the church allows uh, the Latin Mass, okay? But you get, there is way more graces handed down by God at the Latin Mass. Why? Because it's it's the way the church set it, it's the way he set it up at the beginning. The Latin is the language. And so you as a man, you go to Norvis Ordo on Sunday, and what happens is you're not getting the grace that you could be getting for your family, man. It's a duty. And the reason the church started doing this, man, is because they was trying to, they gave in to pressure. Or some people after Vatican II, some parishes just started doing it, didn't get permission or nothing. And then they stopped doing the Latin mass, didn't get permission or nothing. We can't take, we took out the rails. We started destroying the statues and it just really, um, I, I, I just, you know, anyway, don't call me, you can call me a racist, but it's kind of hard to call a black man a racist. But I'm just telling you, it's not, it's because of Christ, man. Christ wants us to all be one body. That's why it's called the body of Christ. And when we take away Latin and the mass, the way it should be done, the proper way, we start being do, like the church I used to go to, Holy Angels. One of the church I used to go to in the city. Man, I love them. I love them with all my heart, man. But man, they are basically a black gospel Catholic church. That's what they are. So white people feel that they can't go there. 
And then, of course, you talk to somebody holding angels because I was there. They'd be like, oh, white people, they welcome, but they don't feel welcome because they walk in there and it's a, it's a place full of black people that all they're talking about is they, they look Baptist. They act Baptist. You know, there's gospel music going on. There's no, uh, there's no, um, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Gregorian chant, which is the, which is the sacred music of the church. Latin is the sacred language. Gregorian chant is the sacred music. Why? Because the mass is a sacrifice and those things cater to that. Get mad if you want, but it's the truth. And I ain't your friend and I don't love you if I don't tell you the truth. And that's why love is an act of the will, not of emotions. So nuns, nuns started pulling, uh, started, okay, oh man, this is a big one that just gets into my craw. Nuns started pulling off their habits and showing their hair. Priests started leaving the parish without their cassocks and collars on. As a result, orders of nuns and priests dried up. If you don't believe me, look at it. Look at how many used to be. There used to be thousands and thousands of men and women seeking to give their lives to church and Christ. To, you know, to now it's merely a handful. It's coming back, but man, for a hundred years, it was it was gross. And you know what? And man, I'm gonna tell you, I there in the past, in the not past now, you go to a mass, a daily mass, and one time the priest he gave mass. He beat me out the church, dude. He beat me out the church. Didn't have his, he was had on regular clothes. Couldn't even tell who he was. You couldn't even tell he was a holy man. And, and, and that is a shame. That is a shame. I had a nun, I was, uh, the other day I was at another parish. I forgot what parish it was, I, I, you know, you know. And I went into the parish and I was coming out this door and this older lady, she had to be like 70 years old or something. She comes walking out, bumps into me and goes, excuse me. And I, I said, excuse me. And I knew she was a, I mean, I knew she was a nun, but man, she didn't have, she had no hair. She had no, uh, what I'm saying is her hair was all cut down. She had on regular clothes. She had looked like a regular grandmother. How is a little girl gonna wanna be a nun or a sister when she sees no nuns or sisters as examples? This is completely ludicrous. How is a man, a young boy, man, gonna wanna be a priest when he sees no priests in their collars? If somebody kills somebody and you need to find a police officer and you run down the street and you don't see a police, nobody in their uniform, you can't talk, you can't call a police officer. That's why police officers wear uniforms. That's why firemen wear uniforms. So that little, not just to, for their job, it's also so that little boys and little girls can look up to them and say, I wanna, I wanna be him one day. I wanna be her one day. And if you're a nun and you're walking around looking like some other old lady that looks like anybody else's grandmother, how is she gonna know? And don't point, don't give me something pointing to some little crucifix on your chest. Heck, I wear a crucifix every day. I wear a crucifix every day. So am I nun? Does that mean I'm a nun? Nuns and deacons, especially deacons, are boys' heroes. I'm sorry. Nuns and priests, or bishops, or popes, or whatever. Priests 
are little boys heroes and they have to start taking on their role as real men and act like it. You wonder why there's no priests coming to the church? It's two reasons. One, because they don't see none and no, the priests don't, they don't see them. And two, because the faith is watered down. The fathers and the mothers aren't teaching the faith in the home. Come on, man. This is not rocket science. This is not rocket science. We need our priests and our nuns to look like who they are. Put your uniform on. Be a warrior for Christ. Nuns, be Christ's bride like you say you are. Priests, be a warrior for Christ. Protect his church, your bride, dude. Just like Christ did. Come on. And I'm not talking to me. And I'm going to be a punk right now. I'm not talking. I'm going to say the old token thing. I'm not talking about all the priests that are doing things the right way. I'm not talking about the nuns that are in their habits and stuff. And I'm really not. I respect them so much. And when I see a priest doing it right, and when I especially a nun with her habit on and being holy and reverent, I tell her. Why? Because she's fighting a battle out here because all these radical feminist women and some of them ain't even radical feminists, they're just a plain woman for real and a lady. They look at them and mean mug them and look at them like they're like, you know, how does she think she's this and that? So that nun or her habit on, she is fighting a battle every day from all these worldly women looking at them. They're supposed to be real holy women in the Catholic Church and they don't. Just like these priests are fighting a battle. The ones that try to turn Cardinal McCarrick in. The ones that, that try to turn in the ones that are being abused. The priests that try to do it right. The priests that try to, you know, try to do, uh, try to talk out and, and preach the mass the way it's supposed to be preached. The, what, the priests that, that, that do the Latin masses every Sunday. The priests that pray every day. Two, three, four hours. Some priests eight hours a day when you are, when you are uh, uh, secluded. You know, man, those are the priests, man, I, I search every day trying to find them priests for our conference because them boys know what's going on. Them the ones fighting the real spiritual battle every day. They are giving their life away. And that's why you got to respect priests and nuns because the ones that are doing it right, the ones that have not abandoned Christ, you have to to, to really be with them, man, and support and pray for them. Like I pray for my priests of our parish every day every day you know why because he's fighting a battle dude he's fighting a battle that we should be fighting for our families which is what in prayer adoration rosary daily mass devotions every all this stuff that's how you protect your family dude i'm moving on um nuns um also nuns stop running the schools and hospitals nuns stop running the schools and hospitals look at it now Look at the Catholic schools. You can't even tell it's Catholic. Look at these hospitals and all these hospitals and stuff. They're giving abortions and stuff. This is a Catholic hospital giving abortions. Man, I don't even want to go no further than that. That's a whole nother thing. Abortion reign and enrollment in Catholic schools dwindled, and they began taking government money to survive. Okay. Here's the deal. People always talk about enrollment in Catholic schools. People always talk about uh, uh, there's nobody coming to mass. Uh, Christian churches are always talking about there. We trying to get people in the pews, you know, Baptists and Presbyterians, all of them. Everybody's crying about, we need more people in the pews, in the pews. But I'm going to tell you what you stood by 
and you allowed the murder of over 50 million children. There are the people, those are the people in your pews. Those are the people that should be making money and generating income in your country. The United States talking about the, uh, the, the economy was down and is down and stuff. You're sitting up there talking about population control and look, you ain't got nobody in your schools because now you got to go to the government to get their money, which what you got to do there. You got to compromise and be almost be an atheist to take money from the government. So which means you holding the government above Christ. You're going to have problems and we have had problems. Look, you got what? 7% of people coming to church every 7%, something like that. I know it's less than 10. Less than I think it's less than five of of uh, people going to church of Catholics going to church every Sunday. Come on, man, whose fault is that? We didn't kill over. We said bad men and allowed this to happen. I was one of them. We sat back and allowed the murder, and now we're crying about we ain't got nobody in the pews. You ain't got nobody in the pews because you killed them all. Your country is going down uh, financially because you killed all the babies. God is not. We're not what what. With uh, uh, Michael Voris and 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 all these uh, a lot of uh, FSSP priests and you know they are they right when they say God will not be mocked. God is like I'm telling you what to do. I'm telling you how to do it to make your life better and happy and peaceful. So what you you do whatever you want to do. So now you don't start killing people. So I'm gonna start pulling my grace away. I'm allow evil into your country. I'm allow evil into your home. I'm allow evil into your church. I'm allow evil into all these into you. I'm allow the devil in and let him do what he wants to do until you realize you need me. And that's not when God says you need me. That's not Him being arrogant. I used to think that as, as when I was when I was uh, when I was uh, before I was uh, Catholic and stuff. When I started learning my faith, when God when God says He you need, that's not Him being. That's Him trying to tell you I created you. First of all, second of all, I know what makes you happy. Third of all, I you need me. You need me to be so that you can be holy, so that you can come away. So that you can be the man I need you to be. So, you know, you have to doubt of yourself. Okay. So that's that. Um, these are just a few catastrophic changes that occurred. And what did the men do? We sat around and allowed this knowing better. A lot of us men know better, but we want power more. Don't get me wrong, dude. I like power too. But I also understand humility and meekness. I want money too. I'll also understand humility, patience, and meekness. Because without those three things, you're going to abuse your power. You're going to leave God. You're going to be in trouble. Why? Because we were afraid to speak out because of what we feared would happen to our career and status among our friends, families, and ourselves. We were afraid to stand for the truth, which in essence means we were weak. Christ needed us, and we let him down. Where is the honor in selfishness. So, what do you think? Send your questions to radicalquestions at catholicalpha.com. I want to know what you think. Hey, bash me. You know, kick my butt. I don't care. I'll, I'll bring your question on, on this podcast, man, and I will read it. And, and, and matter of fact, if you want to, I'll hook you up remotely and you can come on and we can do an interview. Because the things I say I know are correct. I don't mean know that in prideful way. I know that 
because Christ and the Holy Spirit and God, the Trinity, man, the teaching of the of the word. That's how I know, dude, because I study the I listen I listen to the saints. I read the saints. I read. I study the catechism, a scripture, you know, a tradition of the church. Man, you you can't learn these things I'm talking about if you get if you don't actively actively try to learn. Okay. Woo, boy, I'm tired. I'm getting there, but I'm loving it, man. So please remember to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage and relationship. Listen, the things I've talked about today are about how to be a man. And you can't have a great marriage and a great relationship if you don't know how to be a man. So that's why these first three podcasts, we really focusing on that. Um, and plus with the, the, this, 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 uh, this, um, problem that we're having in the church right now it needs to be talked about with the uh, the eyes of someone who's just a regular person out here in the streets and sometimes we don't get that when you watch ewtn and something stuff like that i like ewtn i'm not saying nothing bad about it what i'm saying is they have their way and sometimes their way doesn't reach the common man or the common catholic or the man that's struggling in his faith or things like that they and they talk a lot of language that 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 we don't that a lot of Catholics don't understand because of the language of the church. Sometimes you need somebody to break things down and make it common for you. And that's not bad or good. That's just makes it better to, to communicate and connect. Okay. So share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on catholicalpha.com to get new episodes in your email automatically. Next, our next segment, the Holy Lover segment. So what is a Holy Lover? A Holy Lover is two things. One, becoming the man that God would have you be. Number two, becoming the woman. I mean, <laughs> two, becoming the man your wife needs. Okay, that's what a Holy Lover, and to reach Holy Lover status, boom, it takes a lot. So this is the Holy Lover segment, which teaches you how to do those two things, okay? Um, so here's where we go. Reveal the top 14 reasons dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. Man, I don't like that, do you? I'm going to go through these quick because we are um, getting a little long here. Okay, so here's where we go. The top 14 reasons why dating is for sex and courting is for marriage. Dating is for sex. Number one, dating, dating is for sex. Why? One, we are not focused on the person, but what we can get out of them. When you're dating, you're not focused on the person. You're focused on what they can give you. You're focused on getting what, the, what they have. And when you're focused on, not focused on, um, you're only focused on yourself, 
you you're not going to do the things with the best interest of that person okay that's why we got to understand man courting is where it's at and i'll go over those in a minute not really considering what is best for her but what want but what we want which is basically selfishness number two we are just trying to get in her pants yeah go ahead and say that ain't the truth i had a dude tell me one time i'm not trying to get in every girl's pants yeah yeah whatever dude you married maybe but but when you was younger that's what your goal you was trying to get you know get in women's pants now it takes a special dude not to really at, at especially you know when they're not married to not be trying to do that okay because we really don't understand what, what that really means you know what sex really means what it does to the woman and what it does to us as men what it does to our souls we really don't understand that so basically if you're just trying all you're trying to do is trying to get in a woman's pants when you see her and then women men they try to act all tough and everything even those radical feminists man but the truth is man they putty dude you start talking right you treat them right you be a gentleman you know you you know you, you do what they want and stuff like that you can get a woman in the bed dude you just can that's why we're called to protect and as as adam as god gave the, the thing to adam we're called to protect and that means protect the woman from yourself i'm gonna say that again that means you protect the woman from you that's why you can't be sleeping with all these women you can't do that because you destroy their souls man and they become putty in your hands, man. They start caring about you and want to make a family with you. And of course, they don't say they don't, but they do. We all know it's a lie. Everybody knows it's a lie. Women say, I don't want to get married. Everybody knows it's a lie. The jig's up, women. They all We all know what's a lie when you're saying that. Only time a man agrees to that because he's trying to get in your pants. He'll say anything to get in your pants. And you got to understand that. Okay? Moving on. Uh... If we were for real, we'd know that this doesn't lead anywhere but to disaster. She will get psychological problems. She will bond to you. Why do you think women cure their babies and and uh, and flatten your tires when you break up with them after you had sex with them? She may say she doesn't want to get married, but that's a lie, which I just said. No woman gives herself to you unless she believes she will ask her, unless she believes you will ask her to marry you in the future unless she is disordered in some way. And I will say that real loud. No woman, none will give her body to you thinking that you ain't gonna marry her. She believes eventually, it might not be today or next week or next year, but eventually she is thinking he's gonna ask me to marry her. Man, how can you, what more do I have to say to get that to your head? And God understands this. That's why he chemically bonds her to you when you have sex with a woman chemically you are bonded to her psychologically emotionally and spiritually god does that so your woman when you marry to her don't go out screwing around on you okay you have to understand that please fellas when you have sex with a woman and she's not your wife man and then what well, you wonder why she go uh, flatten your tires and stuff go to your job and stuff see i know the deal how how these uh hood rats be and stuff and how women go you know it don't have to be a hood rat it could be i don't care if she's got a million dollars if you seen a woman pissed off when you break up with her and she didn't have sex with you because she thought she was gonna you was gonna marry her dude 
She thought you were going to marry her, and then you want to break up where you go see with some other woman after you didn't have an orgasm. That's right. I said it. That's the big secret. Everybody, every, every, all men know that, but women don't know that. And that might not be the proper thing, but we all, men all know, once you have your fun with a woman, then what you want to do is dump her, go get somebody else. And I, and I know men's and men's of men have done it when we were young, and we do it when we're older. Why? Because that's what we do. Now, that's why she, you, you can't, you, God's calls you to be in control. That's why God places us as the head, dude, because we are the ones called to control ourselves. Contrary to proper belief, women ain't called to control themselves. They called to raise children and be able to nurture them and be the heart of the home. Not sitting up there trying to control themselves about trying to go out and sleep with every man. And I'm going to tell you this too, ain't nobody going to tell you. No woman, once she is bonded to you and loves you and wants to marry you, no woman wants to give herself to another man unless you ain't doing yourself your stuff right. Women only want to do that when you start messing up not doing your stuff right. And what does that mean? Not paying no attention to her. Going out with your buddies all the time. Staying all night at work and stuff. You know, not understanding how to make love to her the way she needs to be done. Yep, I said it. Not being close to her. Not being best friends with her. You give it? Because why, man? Women ain't stupid. Women ain't stupid, dude. They know. They know that you are giving part of yourself to somebody else. And women, as your wife, she has rights to your body because she's married to you. Giving back God, she has bodily rights over you. And so when you get, and that includes your heart and your mind. And when you go out and giving your attention, too much of it to other ent entities and other things, she will sense that as a woman and start to withdraw from you. And then as it goes on for so long, you know what she's going to do? She's going to find her another dude or she's going to be miserable and unhappy and make your house hell. <laughs> Don't think I ain't lying. Okay, there we are. Okay, number three. We are just seeking to get pleasure. Yeah, you're just seeking to get pleasure. Sex makes us feel good, but it's only temporary, and that's what you are seeking. Erotic, lustful, temporary pleasure that only has one means to an end, to fulfill a need that only benefits your ego. If you're looking at a woman and you want to have sex with her and you're just dating, that's what dating is, man. We just want to try it out. Yeah, we just want to try it out. We just want to have get you know get our pleasure. You know, we want to get rid of that little urge we got right now. And look, man, get mad. Don't get mad. Don't kill the messenger, man. You go talk to God about it for real. Number four, we have no real goal to get married. We may try and make her believe that, but in reality, we just want a temporary thing. Marriage means I have to give up my freedom. Marriage means I have to commit to one woman. No way can I do that. And children? Responsibility? Oh, hell no. Again, pure selfishness. Dating, you ain't trying to get married. Let's be real. You're not. You're really not. You might think you are and try to tell her you are, but you know it. You know the deal. You want to try it out for a while. You know, and then maybe in five or ten years, you know, she proves it that she's the woman that I think she is and she's perfect and she doesn't argue and nag me and stuff. Then maybe I'll consider marrying her. Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. Number five, we only want to have so-called fun, but is it really fun? 
What happens when she gets pregnant and she will get pregnant? You know why? And what, like I'm going to say that again because I stumbled. What happens when she gets pregnant? And you know she will get pregnant. You know why? Because sex works. <laughs> it's doing what it's supposed to do. Participate in creation, which is a gift from God. People kill me. People kill me how they have a sex with a woman. The woman gets pregnant. They go, man, what did you do that for? What happened? How did that happen? Do sex happen? <laughs> it works, as my wife always says. Okay? Does she know you only have another thing? Does the does the girl that you're having sex with, if you're not married to her, does she only know that you only want to have fun? Did you tell her? Sure. She doesn't because she don't know because no way are you going to really tell her that. And if you did, it's only a mind game you use so you can say in the future when when she gets pregnant, I told you I only want to have fun. Abort it, girl. Abort it. And that's what we tell them. You know, we tell them that, you know, I told you I was just wanting to have fun. I mean, you can get rid of that baby. I'll help you pay for it. Hmm. Number six. She is just a means to an end, an object, a fork, a knife, a thing to use. When we do this, we are using her youth, her beauty, her vitality, the things that God gave her to attract her husband, not some selfish bum. Look, man, I'm going to be straight up with you. Your job as a man is to protect, defend, and serve, okay? That, that's your three, your three main duties, right? So... If you're having sex with a woman and you're looking at her as an object, which really is what you are when all you want to do is have sex, you're just looking at her as a fork, a utensil you use. That's all you're looking at her as. And that is, you are disrespecting her as a human person. Even a serial killer deserves respect as a human person. You know why? Because they are a creature of God. And see, when we don't understand our faith, we, we do silly stuff like this. And really, man, people try to say priests, the reason a priest are uh the reason priests are molesting boys and uh, molesting young seminarians and all this stuff is because they can't be married. Do you know that's craziness? That is the most ludicrous thing I ever heard, man. First of all, when you are a priest, if you're praying and doing what you're supposed to do as a priest, God gives you graces to remain celibate and do his will. But you have to want it. If those same dudes were outside the church, and I don't just mean Christ church, the Catholic church, or a Protestant church, or they would still be doing the same things they're doing. It's the person that's disordered. It's not, it's not the church. You're trying to tell me you, like I heard my wife was watching old uh, Phil Donahue old episode. He was dogging out the priest on there and stuff, and the priest sit there and took it, um, which he should. He's, he's supposed to be. He's supposed to be humble. But he's trying to tell me that that the pre, that the reason that these men do this is because they ain't getting married. That ain't true. That's not the reason. You're trying to tell me, Phil Donahue, that you know more than two thousand years of theology and human of the human and the human condition. You know more than that, man. You out your mind. That's why you crazy. And I ain't scared to say you crazy because you are crazy. You have to understand your faith to know. Man, priests are the priests are married. They're married to the church. Nuns are married. They're married to Christ. And when you understand these things, you understand why they're celibate, dude. If a priest got married, 
he would he would be in bigamy. He'd be married to the church, which and he'd be married to his so-called current wife. The church only allowed the marriage is for one man, one woman, for you ones that understand. Marriage is for one man and one woman. Okay? Please. Learn your faith. And if you're an atheist or you're a Protestant or whatever, you listen, learn what God is really talking about before you open your mouth. I'm telling you, man, you will sound a lot more intelligent. Like me, don't come bringing some crazy mess to me. Or somebody like a Father Ripperger or my pre or my priest, Father McCarthy. You can't be or or our other priest in our church, Father Capus. You can't be bringing some more crazy mess to them. Or do like Michael Voris. Or, you know, yeah, y'all get everybody gets mad at Michael Voris. We tell the truth. And these kind of men like my my priest, Father McCarthy, and Father Capus, and Father Ripperger, and FSSP priests, like the uh, you know, Father Jambone, those kind of dudes, man. You can't bring them any of this crazy mess because they understand what's the, the faith for real. They understand theology and the human condition, man. So Again, before you start dogging out the Catholic faith, dogging out priests, dogging out, look at your own self for one thing. Look at your own self. What have you done to corrupt a woman, to corrupt a child, to corrupt the people in your environment? Yeah, exactly. Um, another thing too, when you're sleeping with a woman and you don't and you don't and you don't marry her, and you especially when you move in with her, you're using up, you're using up, man, her. You're just using up her the gifts God gave her to attract a husband, which is youth, vitality, and beauty. And the longer a woman goes without getting married, she loses those things. And it's not fair to you. If you don't want to marry her, let her go. Seven. In ending, in the end, dating is for wusses and is complete cowardice. Exactly. It sure is. First of all, if you ain't got a job, you ain't got a car, you shouldn't be dating no way. Because you can't support no woman. That's what courting's about. Okay. Another thing, if you don't want to marry, you want to have. If, if either one of you, you or your girlfriend, don't want to have kids, and you don't want to get married, what are you dating for? To have fun. That's why dating's for sex. Because if you don't want to get married, you don't want to have kids. You ain't got a job, or if you ain't got a job or something like that, or a car or something like that. You're not trying to get together to support the woman. and Because, man, look, that's you're dating for sex. You're dating for sex, and it's the truth. If you really analyze it, you're just trying to have fun. You're trying to use her body up to get pleasure. Okay? So courting is for marriage. Why? Courting is for marriage. Why? Number eight, because when we really understand how the world really works, our goal is God marriage, children, family, duty, responsibility. Bam. That's what a real man is right there. See? That's what a real man is. Okay? This builds something for eternity, something we can really take with us. Boom. Look, man. If you ain't creating a marriage that lasts forever and children that that a legendary marriage and children and a family and if you're not creating a family that will that their children's children, their children, and their children, and their children, it move your marriage spans that length of time through eternity like that, you're not doing your job as a man, dude.
That's why it's called sacrifice. This life is a sacrifice. Please understand that. Okay? Then look, man. I, 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 look, I, I'm just going to hold up for a second. I know it's getting long, but I'm going to tell you this, man. I understand. I really do. I understand the things I'm saying is tough, especially for a single man. It's tough, man. It's real tough. Because when you walk outside, even if you are one of those young men that go to church, say every Sunday or daily mass or whatever, as soon as you walk outside that door, the devil comes right back in, in front of you with his demons trying to infiltrate you and try to persuade you to do what is against God. I know that. But man, that's why you have to pray. That's why you have to pray, young brother. Because God those graces, he will keep the devil off of you. And he will help you find the woman you need, man. I promise you. But you got to do your part. Number nine, we are seeking something greater than ourselves. Courting is unattached to the ego or selfishness. It is considering the bigger picture and understands time is a factor. What is that something bigger? Journey and eventual peace with God for the benefits of my wife children their children and their children bam i just talked about that courting is the bigger picture when a man is trying to court a woman even if he's 17 18 years old he to some degree understands what the world's really about he understands what the communists were trying to do to the church take away our morality take away our family take away our patriotism and as a young man, if you got a young man that's trying to court a girl, which means he's not trying to sleep with her, he's trying to get to know her and see if she's the woman that can help get him and her to heaven. Because that's the number one job of a man, to get his wife to heaven and to sacrifice and suffer for her. And how do you do that? You pray for her. You say rosaries. You suffer. Every pain that you go through, you offer up to Christ for her. You fast for her soul. That's what you do. That's how you enter the battle, baby. That's how you keep Satan off your butt and off your wife's butt and off your children's butt and out of your environment. That's what you do. Number 10, marriage makes real men out of us because of the sacrifice and responsibility of giving our life away for another. We will never be true man until we have something we're willing to sacrifice, die, and give our life for. We'll never be truly happy or at peace as men. Remember Christ. This is exactly what he did and caused us to do as men. Look, man, you will never be happy and peace as a man until you're willing to die for something. God has to be the first one. Then your wife, your marriage, your wife, then your children. You have to be willing to give your life away, man. You have to be. Because men are only truly happy when they are men of courage, Christian soldiers, true man, the way Christ was. Pure, that purifies you, man. That makes you a virtuous, holy person. See? You didn't know that's how you became holy, did you? I'm sorry. I, I want you to be that man. I want you to be that man, man, so you can help me change this darn world, change this church. And without you, I can't do it. Okay? Number 11. We are looking for that perfect woman as a quarter when we're courting. We're looking for that perfect woman as a helpmate that can and will joy that will that can and will joy in helping me get to heaven this is what real life is about a test of sacrificing for that true love 
with both of us on the same page, a journey towards God. Look, man, I, 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 your wife is your helpmate. Your girlfriend is your potential helpmate. You marry her so that she becomes your helpmate. And what does that mean? That doesn't mean, that's why God calls it a helpmate. Because she is your assistant, your partner, your battle partner, your battle partner in this world that is trying to take her soul and the souls of your children. And so your wife, your job as the head is to do, is you responsible for everything in the house, everything in your environment, everything. You're responsible for it, okay? Your wife's job is to assist you in accomplishing those things. I know it's real simple. I know it's hard. But that's it. Your job is not to die. When, when, when Ephesians 21 through 35 says submit to your husband, it does not mean submit. It means under the, under the submission. Under the submission of who? Under the submission of Christ. The husband is subject to Christ. Christ, uh, the, uh, uh, the Christ and Christ is subject to God. Okay. The husband is subject to Christ. The wife is subject to the husband. The children are subject to the wife and the father. See, and that's what women don't understand. If you as a, as a woman are not under the submission of your husband and Christ, then your kids ain't going to be submit to you. See how it works? It's called the natural order. And if you, that's why women, they, they, they have, they are destroying the country like that. Destroying, they're helping, they're helping people destroy the family. And I want you to understand that God put it this way for a reason. He's not trying to have a woman just take, be abused by her husband. Because if the husband is doing his job the right way, he is journeying towards Christ. He is submitting to Christ. It's called obedience. That's how you get rid of your selfish self. Okay? Okay. So what is love? We already talked about that. Love is an act of the will. It's not all about emotion. It's about the will. You decide to be obedient to Christ. You decide to be obedient to your wife. You decide. That's why it's called free will. Number 12. We are looking and courting. We are looking for that one woman that can help me get our children to heaven. See helpmate. I already talked about that. Ephesians 5, 21 through 33. I think I said 35 earlier. It's 21 through 33. Okay. 13 and 12 go together. And because of the last two, assisting and helping me get to heaven as well as my children, we seek that perfect beloved to become one flesh. Okay. Man, understand. You know, we are looking, we're looking for, as a, as a man, and you're courting, okay? You're looking for that special woman to, to create one flesh. What is one flesh? It's like when God created the son, and the son and God's love was so great with each other that they create the Holy Spirit, and the Holy Spirit is kind of like their child, okay? The three is called the Trinity, Okay, that love between those three are so strong. Okay, so that is what God let why God lets us participate in the in the creation. Because why? Because a man loves his wife so much. A wife loves his husband, her husband so much 
that in nine months they become one flesh and there's a child. That is so profound. And if we thought about it like that, we wouldn't do a lot of the things we do. Okay? Okay. Number 13. And be, oh, I'm sorry, not number 13. Uh, 14. Number 14. In the end, courting is for warriors and is heroic. It undertakes the role given to Adam by God for every man throughout eternity to protect, defend, and serve. When God created Adam, Eve wasn't even around. He created Adam. Why? Adam, so Adam could name the plants, the animals, and all that stuff. The mountains, the trees. He could name everything, which is God saying, look, man, you're responsible for all this. You are responsible for this. I'm giving this all to you. You are the man now, but you know what? You ain't meant to be alone, so I'm going to create you a helpmate to help you do all this because you can't do it by yourself, okay? Plus, you know, it's cool to have something beautiful to look at every day, too. <laughs> okay, so our job is to be is protect, defend, and serve, and that's what a quarter understands. He's trying to be a real man. He's trying to control himself. The man that controls himself is the real man. A man that controls himself in anger, in sexual pleasure, you know, in sex and pleasure and all those kind of things. That's the real man, okay? Not the one that flips off the handle, you know, those kind of things, or try to sleep with every woman he can, even when he's married. I ask you, who as, do you want to, okay, dater or quarter? I ask you, whom do you aspire to be? Wuss or warrior? Bam! All right. That was a lot. We're moving on. We're done. Please remember to share this podcast with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email. So, I, um, in conclusion, again, I didn't insert this other thing that I wanted to do um, because I went on too long again. Okay. <laughs> I'm so crazy, man. I get talking about Christ and trying to do what's right, and I just get too going too long. So um, I'm only gonna keep this at an hour, at an hour and a half, what it is, because I don't want you guys to get too bored with me. <laughs> anyway, so in conclusion, as we always do, we end with a quote with Pope Benedict the Sixteenth. Quote: Society offers you comfort, but you weren't made for comfort you were made for greatness so christian soldier go forth the spiritual fight is upon you fast pray and prepare for battle thank you christian soldier for listening in today remember catholic alpha radical is designed to repair ignite and once again spark the fire back into your marriage or relationship so what's your next action step one share this podcast 
with someone needing help in their marriage or relationship. Two, rate this podcast if listening on iTunes. Three, subscribe to this podcast if listening on CatholicAlpha.com to get new episodes in your email now.